Dude, this big chair is so comfortable. <laughs> oh my god, Tyler has cheated me out of a spot. I'm gonna be so mad, Tyler. If you're listening to this, I will. <laughs> we have to have rock paper scissors for the chair from now on. It's the only appropriate way to do it. I'll let one of y'all take the swivel chair next time, or then, I'll yeah. just bring a swivel chair. <laughs> Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries. Hey guys, it's Sunday Scaries. What up? Bonus episode. Beer, 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 beer. Hey, we're getting ahead, and so we're gonna start doing more of these. Uh, we get we get special, in, you know. Is this our first releases. bonus? This is. I think this will be like the first Patreon exclusive, like bonus Ooh. episode. Yeah, it's a whole All thing. You Patreon subscribers, you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> we're about to give you a hot goss. We got hot takes on. Bodies, 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 bodies. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm ready for what comes along. I got good friends. We'll stay together. Oh my God. Does anybody have service? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck off. Oh God. Oh God. Rich girl. I get so stressed out every time we play this. Someone always ends up crying. Uh, Tried to make that three <laughs> distinct notes. A brand new movie that's uh, releasing this week here uh, on August 12th, 11th, yes. right? Yeah, coming out next week. Yeah. Um, I call it the, the Gen Z slasher yeah. starring most notably Pete Davidson. Which, uh, yeah, like if you don't know who Pete Davidson is at this point. Uh, it's a Pete Davidson vehicle. Would you call it a Pete Davidson vehicle? I don't know. It was, it was definitely advertised on him. I, I would call like. it a Rachel, Rachel Senate vehicle. Yeah. Um, but I will say, like, uh, yeah, it, it definitely is like they just let him loose. They're yeah. Like, Pete, go do what you do. Yeah. So if you like Pete Davidson's shtick, or if you don't like Pete Davidson's shtick, you should watch this movie. Yeah, I think it goes both ways. Yeah, it? if you hate Pete Davidson, you might want to watch this movie. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. You'll get uh, a lot of pleasure out of this. Uh, director Hel- uh, Helena Rain, we checked. Uh, yep. Helena Rain, uh, written by so uh, Sarah Delap uh, and then Kristen Ropinian. Did I make it in that right? Ru- I don't I want to say Rupinian. Rupinian. Um, so the plot of this, uh, we're going to do a brief little like pre-spoiler thing, uh, and then we'll kind of get into the actual content of the movie for those of you that have seen it or want to see it or don't care about the movie being spoiled. Uh, so the basic summary is when a group of rich 20-somethings plans a hurricane party at a remote family mansion, a party game turns deadly in this fresh and funny look at bats- backstabbing fake friends and one party gone very, very wrong. Uh, I don't know. First takes. How'd you feel? We just watched this yesterday. So uh, I liked it. Yeah. Overall, I really liked it. Yeah, they, I have minor gripes, but I think those are those pale in comparison to like what what the movie. How good how good I liked this movie. Yeah, I think how I well I like this. I movie. land I land the same way where I'm like I liked it for the most part. Like yeah, yeah. It, has, it has a little. I have a few qualms with it, but I don't think like any of my problems would tear this movie apart. No. I think it would just it's just like a small thing. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I had a great time watching it, and I think it's entertaining. Yeah, plus uh, it is a blast. Yeah, it's definitely a blast to yeah. watch. Yeah, that's uh, kind of the, the first thing in here. Like uh, like I said, I would affectionately call this a Gen Z slasher, or even call it like the Gen Z scream. Um, very yes. like similar, you know, basically updated idea from the '90s, where we're putting you know yeah. a bunch of kids together, having them do meta commentary on you know horror films, but then also just like Gen Z culture, social media culture. Well, it's kind of funny because Scream is like obviously like they they talk about horror movies in the movie, mm-hmm. but they don't really mention. Um, I guess like horror movies specifically right. in this one, but mm-hmm. they're playing a game where people get murdered. Right. So that's kind of the other. Yeah, it's almost like a like it. a clue esque or like right. you know it's yeah it's it's a it's a who done it and it's a, yeah. it's a combination of it's of like all a those... slasher who done it yeah which so is you don't know who the slasher is yeah. you're trying to find out mm-hmm. and I think that yeah so overall I think the movie achieves what it sets out to do um, which is yeah create this sort of cast of relatable characters that people can you know latch onto make fun of and then also have you know along with that some fun mystery uh you know slasher elements and then like i said the meta commentary on uh just current pop yeah. culture and social media and the internet and by virtue things. of our all all of our protagonists being quote like i don't know 21 22 yeah, kind of early 20s right now is kind of like the it's the yeah. up it's the upper level of like oldest gen z right or yeah. the middle level of gen z i think now mm-hmm 
um so they would be like finishing college yeah you hear that gen z years you're getting old yeah you're on your way out too like six years your metabolism is not gonna work the way it should (laughs) and you're all gonna get you're in for a shock yeah and i think like so the the comedy in this movie i think is is pretty well balanced with you know the mystery i think pace the tone wise i think it it maintains its uh its goal throughout um and those girls have good chemistry the whole movie mm -hmm. wouldn't work if if the girls didn't have that exact chemistry that is something yeah i think we'll get into really annoying to watch yeah as we talk about the various performances of the actors and stuff i think it is yeah they they all play off each other really well in a way that doesn't appear awkward or forced or right you know yeah they i think that's that probably speaks to the directing and you know yeah and as well as the 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 casting is just like just bringing the the right exact right people on to Mm -hmm. get this thing to line up so well absolutely um, like I said, the, one of the main issues, I guess, and we can kind of maybe elaborate on this later, is is the idea that you do kind of you kind of brought this up—the idea of uh, treating wokeness as sort of like the punchline yeah. of, of the joke, which I think can go a couple of different ways. I think the movie itself yeah. is, is nuanced enough, and it's like commentary and like funny enough that it's not doing that. But like we said, you know, there's always going to be those bad faith critics who kind of—I've been having like a crisis of conscience yeah. trying to decide how <laughs> Where I you feel land about on this, this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, because like for me personally, I, I mean, I, I don't, it's, it's, it's both sides. Mm-hmm. So I have to be clear, like, yes, I think making wokeness, the punchline is a bad thing, but mm-hmm. I also think it's unfair to make, uh, like anti wokeness, whatever that is the mm-hmm. punchline as well. Um, so like, there's a great example is like the movie, the hunt mm-hmm. is deliberately about, and the, the joke, the problem, this is kind of a wild, very ridiculous, like we're going on a tangent here, but it's related is that when The Hunt came out, the screenplay is about um, these wealthy liberal elites who, like, kidnap, you know, backcountry, redneck, deep conservative, like, Trumpers. Like, that is what they literally call them Mm -hmm. in the movie and, like, make jokes about, like, who they voted for or they probably believe this or they probably believe that. And they they hunt down these, like, crazy conservatives um, and kill them. And so, like, the joke in that movie is, like, oh, they're all, like, all these rednecks are so stupid, they would all die. Mm-hmm. Except, obviously, the movie is you get one person who who doesn't believe in either side, and she survives. She's the final girl, yeah. Right. It's like this... I forget that you weren't on, uh, so, yeah, me and I know. Tyler did I wanted the to, Ready or I Not wanted episode. To do a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go deep on that, because yeah, we talked about that you guys were the... kind of talking about, like, the eat the rich theme, which yeah. is a little bit in this movie, too, mm-hmm. um, is kind of the, the nihilism of eat, eat the rich mm-hmm. can kind of be, like eat everyone mm-hmm. like it, if it expands too broadly it starts to become like eat eat the rich eat the idiots eat the middle class that is interesting and... i think on that note because that is sort of an angle that this approaches that that entire topic from right is the right. fact that these are all all of these little these gen zers in this movie are, are all wealthy. super wealthy yeah. so that's the thing i think mm-hmm. i have to examine when i look at that mm-hmm. is wokeness like the punchline is like it's kind of a it's definitely a class thing yeah it's trying to identify the hypocrisy of uh like the, the privilege of their wealth. yeah through the through the use of the characters that have like you know that are trying to protect their their own self-image so, yeah so uh, to lay it out off for people who are listening to um you're you're gonna watch this movie maybe after this podcast because we're fresh and relevant now <laughs> but um there's lots of moments where uh like they use so you've probably seen the trailers. They use tons of buzzwords, right? That's the big like, thing I was going to oh, say. This is, is my safe space. Yeah, the way the trailer is strung together for yeah. comedic, comedic effect, they tie all those lines in one sequence, and so it makes yeah. it seem as if it, the the movie is going to relentlessly berate you with these things, right? Which um, a lot of people kind of hate. They're like, okay, yeah. I don't want to like watch a movie where every other word is gaslight yeah. and um, you know ally, like all these new new words, words that are new to our lexicon. Mm-hmm. If you're a millennial, you're like, I didn't use gaslight when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's sort so, of the fresh Gen Z vernacular being like kind right. of the butt of the joke. And there is like a few moments where they are the butt of the joke, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a great observation, and this doesn't ruin the story at all, where um, one of the female protagonists, this um, great black character, she says like, you know, she went to rehab for drug abuse, and she says like, oh, if a black girl goes to rehab, eh, it's like a problem. But when white girls do drugs, it's like funny and fun. Mm-hmm. literally in the movie so that's mm-hmm. like a scream moment too yeah. it's kind of like the the social scream mm-hmm. but it and and she calls out this friend who's like when you th- when you hear me that i go to rehab you think it's messed up but when you do drugs it's okay because you're white mm-hmm. and she just like it fumbles and rachel said it, it does this perfect like <laughs> it, it's like such a the other thing i think too is they're such like there's they do teenage girls so well yeah it can feel like punching down yeah um and i think that that's the most important thing is well who is punching down and what are we punching Correct. down at? right but if rachel Sinnott does this great where she's like she's like pauses and she's like 
I hear what you're saying, <laughs> and I am an ally. And, and like fumbles and just like turns, so she tries badly. to phone in. Uh, and turns to else. the other black girl and is uh, like, "Can you help me out here? Yeah, please add stuff. Please validate me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, literally. I think she says, "Please validate me." But um, uh, but it is it's kind of weird for me. Um, so okay, that's a good then that's a good uh, thought, right? Is punching down. Well, they have tons of most of the characters um, have lots of money, which means they have kind of this like ability to feel that way. And so it's okay to punch down on someone who is using this um, just for show. The whole yeah, point of Rachel Sennett's character, what the idea is she's like, kind of like, she just does it for yeah, show. Yeah, the performative nature of, uh, of yeah. something, which is, which is a whole thing that's wrapped up, I think, in like, you know, uh, there's there's much to be said about that in like the real world and what their commentary is. But I think, right. do you want to go ahead and just start getting into the spoiler territory? Yeah, we should probably get yeah, okay. into something serious so to, overall, to like, yeah, so like I said, I think we, we both enjoyed this movie a lot and there's some interesting themes to kind of like, pick a park so we can we're going to get into uh, the actual Here's content a, like, of the movie like a now. fun little tagline if you're still listening mm-hmm. the director once called this lord of the flies meets mean girls yeah that's what i put in my notes too is like oh this is so lord of the flies s because mine was like yeah. uh spring breakers meets scream <laughs> which I, I honest which i thought was like oh it's a 24 like spring breakers haha that's yeah. the first movie they ever distributed so yeah, Lord of the Flies. So uh, in discussing the plot, right? So the in the summary, we talked about how they're all at this uh, this like super mansion, basically preparing for a hurricane party. Which is <laughs> they, they, a hurricane they party. know that there's a hurricane <laughs> approaching, and I guess we can assume they live in like a coastal area or something. So they know the power is going to go out. They're stocked up on like water and flashlights and everything, and drugs, uh, and lots and lots of drugs. They're out of their mind on drugs and alcohol throughout the entire movie. So they know what uh, they're getting into. Yeah, and so the 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 sort of the inciting incident uh, and the horror can see how we kind of get into the situation is, you know, all the power goes out and they're in a remote enough location that none of them have access to like a network or anything. So that places them in this classic, you know, uh, survivalist situation yeah. or the flies esque where everybody is trying to figure out how to continue existing, but slowly losing their minds. And at the same time, this is happening. So these girls are intentionally partying during a hurricane and they like, for various social reasons, they decide to play Bodies, 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 the mm-hmm. game that the movie's named after, which is like Werewolf some people know or it. Werewolf like, or yeah. Mafia, mm-hmm. um, where one person is the killer and mm-hmm. everyone else gets killed. So there is they're literally playing a game of murder. But not after. I also want to talk about, like, was the slapping game part of Bodies, 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 or is that just a separate thing that they I, were doing? No, it's how they start every <laughs> round. Yeah. So they so they would play. So one, one person dies, and then they vote someone out. Obviously, like, if you've ever, everyone's probably played this, but... Um, you find out you try to find out who the killer is and everybody lays out arguments for who the killer is which i always thought was dumb was like the first kill they're like okay who did it and i'm mm-hmm. like how are we supposed to know that yeah just based off of someone died yeah but um the whole they so they're playing a game where they're trying to identify a killer and every time someone dies they start a new round and they like all get served shots of clear alcohol whatever it is and they go in a circle and slap the <laughs> shit out of the person that they're like it's your turn yeah and like beat them you like it like looks like Really Pete Davidson socks Lee Pace at does. one point. Just it's fucking amazing. clocks him. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> Lee Pace is like so wounded. Yeah. It's like, why would you do that to me? His, yeah, man, the character of, like, so going through the cast of characters, yes. right? We have, uh, so the primary, like, the party girls, I guess, as you know, we could kind of call them, um, include uh, Alice, Emma, um, and uh, Jordan. Uh, so uh, Rachel Sennett playing Alice, uh, Chase Sweet Wonders playing Emma. Uh, Mihala Harold playing Jordan, and then along with them, there's two uh, dudes. Two Pete dudes. Davidson playing David. Uh, Pete and Davidson then, plays David. Yeah, of course. Son they don't want him Pete. to stretch too far. Uh, and then Lee Pace playing Greg, who is like the older like this. I guess this happens whenever you're in a party situation like this, where you know somebody is dating a much older dude who's just along yeah. and trying to have a good time. Well, and the joke. <laughs> so Lee Pace's character is one of the out, is one of the two outsiders mm-hmm. to this circle. So like Pete Davidson's character. David, I'm just going to call him David from now on, mm-hmm. is actually also in the friend group. He's in the group chat. Right. But um, uh, who is it? It's Alice meets a guy off Tinder. It has been dating him for like Tinder dating him, not yeah. even like real dating for two weeks and brings him to this hurricane party. And he's like a 40 year old. Yeah, he's like dude. 20 years older than her. And yeah. Like... And they're all kind of like weirded out because they haven't personally met him. She mm-hmm. doesn't know a lot about him. So there's like all this setup, right? Lee Pace could be the killer because right. who the hell is he? Mm-hmm. 
because um, then we get our other two. So uh, yeah. Amanda, uh, Amanda Stenberg uh, plays Sophie, who joins the party. She's kind of the uh, she's the aforementioned uh, rehabilitated yeah, character she's coming in as sort of like a black sheep who has but has a lot of friendship history with like the other main characters, and right. then she brings her girlfriend along, Maria uh, Bakalova, uh, playing B, uh, who is also like an outsider that we kind of don't know a lot about. Uh, yeah, she's you know the she has an accent, you know Maria Bakalova's accent right. and stuff, and, and we're so. given like a minimal backstory. Yeah. But when we meet them, they're like they deep like Sophie is deeply in love with B. She's mm-hmm. like this is her new her new girlfriend mm-hmm. and tells her she loves her after only like six weeks of dating. Mm-hmm. Um so they like go in so Sophie kind of springs her new best friend, B, her new girlfriend B, onto this like planned party where nobody has heard from Sophie. They're like she just shows up mm-hmm. and Sophie tells B, like, Oh, we're gonna have fun. They like planned it. And everyone's kind of pissed. Yeah. So you start to see all these like social dynamics start to get pulled out. And it's like um This is the tension that's introduced and sort of like played off of as right. the mystery of the murder the mystery. The lion's unfolds. share of the movie is really about like uh friend groups that have like solidified too much mm-hmm. and have become toxic. Mm-hmm. Um and it's such a relatable thing because you like you do still have those friends from like high school, mm-hmm. but like the more you see them, the more they're like, Oh, I only do this one thing, and then it starts to freak them out, or they or they become like too toxic to function almost your friendship just feels so stilted because of the weight of the history of it yeah that's even that's the quote it's like we're uh, literally are the shared weight of our of our friendship is the only reason thinking keep keeping us together yeah 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 yeah. Um, Um, and it's all about like exposing all the little things that like the what the actual um, problems are mm -hmm. it's like every single character has a problem with everybody else Mm -hmm. at any given moment there's like you know um emma is dating david Mm -hmm. who I think um, it's his brother is also in love with Emma or something. So they like off screen, they had a fight and we don't see his brother Max until the very end of the movie. It's right. And Max is just a character and there his, his brother's gone into town to get supplies yeah. when everything happens. So you're like, maybe Max is the, is a bad guy. Um, but so story wise, yeah, I think none of it feels overly contrived. I think it all yeah. is all very, like I said, that there's that a natural evolution. Yeah. Escalation. And, and it's, and it, the setup and payoff of all of these, like, relationships i think it is effective in the way that it it sets the stage to to kind of elevate the mystery and make you wonder all right do any any one of these individual characters have enough of a motivation to commit murder you see like enough of a dark side Mm -hmm. in each character you're like oh i could see them twisting off and this could be the excuse they wanted to kill somebody or like they killed one person and didn't get away with it Mm -hmm. Uh, but so they're playing bodies 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 right and they turn the lights off in the house and or all the powers out and they're just like trying to have fun when um, uh, Maria Bakalova's character, who is our kind of our protagonist, we're mm-hmm. anchored in her perspective. Um, turns she's around, sort of the newest, like, you yeah, know, to this situation. And Pete Davidson is at the window, like doing a classic horror movie. Yeah, like, body against the window. His throat <laughs> like a been Drew Barrymore, slashed. like yeah, yeah, and his throat has been slashed. And everybody's freaking out, and they all like, and it, it's so great. The hurricane's going off. There's like pe- rain pelting them, and mud everywhere. Um, and they're freaking out because like Pete Davidson just had his throat slashed, and that was you know, and they and they, it's cool because they react accordingly. Like his girlfriend is just freak, yeah, almost catatonic. immediately traumatized. Yeah, yeah. And they're all, and of course, like yeah, the character Jordan, um, who's played uh, by Mihaela Mihala Harold. Um, is like the practical one. She's like, you know, she's the one who's like, we got to turn the generator on when the power goes out or, you know, we got to start figuring it. So they think, um, and they realize like somebody's killed Pete Davidson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at that time, Lee Pace is gone. He's yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's gone off to he bed. He said he's going to bed. Cause what we forgot to mention is they, they get through a round of bodies, 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 right. To demonstrate yeah. like how the game how the, works. Yeah. Uh, he's play. the first one that sort of like is, is quote unquote killed. Yeah. Uh, he does a little fake out where he pretends to be dead. Uh, and then like, you know, wakes back Which up. Which you kind of know is a fake out, but it yeah. still gets you. It kind of like, it, he, he plays it out long enough and then yeah. Pete Davidson taps him on the nuts with a bottle <laughs> to so wake him Lee up. So Pace is like playing dead and they're like, the girls are like, oh shit, he's not waking up. And Pete goes, eh, this always works. It just taps him on the nuts with a like a beer bottle and immediately Lee's like, up. whoa! Uh, and then that's when they have their interaction which kind of also sets up, you know, maybe the first in, you know, clue of is right. there enough here for for something in cities to like happen Lee where Pace 
gets bullied by yeah, Pete Davidson. Yeah, Pete Davidson is just being a straight asshole for his, his entire time on screen, and he's just antagonizing yeah. Lee Pace. Uh, um, but Lee Pace handles it in a very nuanced, like, I don't know, I love his performance in this moment. Because I know. he seems like he may be triggered enough to kind of, like, respond and go off, and up to this point, we still believe he's, a, like, an army veteran. Yeah, we've been we've been told that he's he's been to Afghanistan, mm-hmm. is what they say, which is kind of funny. They do it in, like, a, an offhand way, where yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, well, he seems real serious. I think he's been to like Afghanistan is yeah. the sentence. So you're like, I think he's an army veteran. Yeah. Like what? he's also Lee Pace. So he's like fucking built and like he he's just looks like the classic Oof. like grizzled. Lee Pace. Like, yeah, Lee Pace can get it. Uh, this movie convinced me <laughs> I have a my sexuality is Lee Pace. Is Lee Pace, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but they have that they face off and then he puts himself to bed like he he's right. clearly like his character being the more mature one he's like I'm gonna go to bed yeah, like I'm gonna let you kids like do your thing so when um, the murder goes down he's missing yeah and immediately they're like freaking out they can't call the police uh, they you know it's like classic horror movie stuff like oh how do we you know the power's out how do we get power it doesn't work uh do they go to the car at that point they uh they try to go get help yeah i think they immediately try to go to the car and that's where we get the payoff of uh at the very beginning of the movie right uh, we're really was, bad at setting up yeah things. sorry <laughs> b was doing her makeup in the mirror and stuff uh and, and left, leaves the light on yeah left the mirror the and so fold down mirror yeah it drains the battery uh so, so the car the only car they have doesn't work mm-hmm. They don't um, have cell service. Yeah, uh, so they cover all their bases of explaining why they can't get out of this situation. Yeah, right after and the there's murder, a hurricane going on. Right after the murder, we get to, oh, this is why they can't just go to the cops mm-hmm. or like call for help or do mm-hmm. something smart or helpful. And what I like about this movie, too, as far as pacing goes, is there's not – I think what the, the – um, what movies like this are susceptible to is sort of having too many sequences of kind of like the same thing, right? Yeah. Where you could have like, oh, somebody gets murdered, we go look for the killer. Somebody that gets was murdered, we go look my, for the killer. One of my gripes was the edit was just like, uh, by the end, by towards the end of the movie, it felt like that it was like, okay, one murder, one dialogue, one murder, one dialogue, one mm-hmm. murder, one dialogue. Um, which I, it's still the murders were super creative and the dialogue was really fun, so mm-hmm. it, it works. But it uh, it starts to unravel towards the end. Because I think it does, the dialogue goes longer. Yeah, I think, think that's that's more of the culprit. Is it drags in that third act where we're we're being asked to really invest in these characters in a way that maybe should have done been done up top or something. Right. Or like it's just so disproportionate to like the physical stuff. But I also think that's kind of the point. Like you know, yeah. some of the comedy in there is 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 the fact that we're being asked to be so emotionally invested in their personal drama right but let you would you want to talk about these kills for a second because they are yeah pretty we fantastic. should go down the rabbit hole basically so we're not going to ruin the rest of the movie but yeah. it's all about the girls trying to find who killed them mm-hmm. they end up they think they've got it and then they find out they were wrong yeah and then more people like keep dying yeah and they're all kind of like turning on each other like, yeah the movie is about like that slowly they start to be like that's where the lord one of us is the murderer yeah the lord of the flies stuff really comes out right the clue stuff really exactly comes out. and that's where it becomes like and this is my like good note the tension of the movie is every time like a character has a weapon and they're freaking out over something they're like Mm -hmm. casually swinging a knife at all their friends yeah um or like you know just whipping a hammer around and you're like any second one of these girls is gonna just they're on like a lot of drugs they're kind of drunk they're freaking the hell out at any given second these girls are accidentally gonna stab somebody and it'll be hilarious yeah but brutal yeah um, so there's some great deaths in this movie, and we mm-hmm. should talk about them. Yeah, the first one, obviously, is Pete Davidson. He shows up to the window with his throat slash. Uh, this is basically <laughs> a, a quick payoff of uh, earlier in the in the in the the pool scene. There's a saber that gets put. It's a Gurkha saber they, or something. Yeah, they like want to pop champagne, uh-huh. and it's like this really nice bottle. And they're like college kids or whatever, so they're like, oh, we'll just twist the top. But, yeah, uh, and Lee, Lee Pace, Pace comes out and he sabers the champagne. He has like off. a fucking Gurkha knife. It's so funny. And Pete Davidson is miffed. He's like, where the fuck did you get that? He's like, oh, it was on the wall. He's like. <laughs> Yeah, keep it on the wall. And he's like expressly like, it's not that cool, guys. It's not yeah. like because everybody's so impressed by it, and he's so yeah. pissed off. That so the Lee Pace does the classic like sword champagne, and it works. Yeah. It's like perfect, and yeah. the bottle pops. And Lee Pace is kind of a goofy guy. He like he's just like but pouring he's clearly, champagne, yeah, and very he, drunk. He's and, clearly one of those guys where he's like clearly like a dominant you know male presence, but like also sort of very in control of himself. So yeah. he seems innocuous, but like. The, the tension that we're supposed to set up is that he he could be set off in some right. way because we're we're led to believe he's a veteran or something. And right. Has like we PTSD. think that he's like going to get triggered. Right. And um, so Pete Davidson's first death, he shows up slashed in the neck. And so that's sort of the payoff of that Gurkha knife thing. And then they find the murder weapon yeah, they outside. Find the, they find, someone brings a Gurkha knife in. He's like, I found this outside. Mm-hmm. So like even then when you're watching it, you're like, oh, did they 
did they kill Pete and right. bring the knife to make them think it wasn't them? Yeah. Like, there's mystery to it's it. It's the candlestick, right? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, the, it's the candlestick So moment. that sets the girls off trying to figure out who the murderer is, and they immediately suspect Lee Pace because he's the oldest and most, you know, apparently has the most experience with violence. And the most mysterious. Yeah. He's a vet. They, you know, they, she does it. There's a great bit where they, like, ask her how well she knows him because she's like, she says, he would never I know do that. a lot. He's a Libra moon. He's a Libra moon. <laughs> That's all you need to know. They're like, what's That's, his middle name? She's like, you don't share middle names in the first two weeks of dating uh, they're like how long have you known him and she won't say it yeah. because she realizes she fucked up she like kind of realizes like if he is the killer she fucked up big yeah but they do kind of launch off on their only like search sequence as they're going through the yeah. house trying to find lee pace so and they, they scooby-doo it a little they, bit yeah they eventually yeah, they have that one shot where they're going they're backtracking down the hallway with all four of them like side by side and stuff and it's yeah. a good that is the good scooby-doo moment just, they scooby-doo it they find a, a backpack that's like a go back yeah it has a map in it with the house with circled. like a, a big old knife yeah and stuff so there's more you're like oh maybe it is lee pace yeah but they do eventually find him in that <laughs> the fucking he's not in his basketball. bed Court. We're like, oh, where is he? He's and doing light meditation on the floor of the basketball court with a face mask. He has a light mask on. Yeah. They're like, why? is He has seasonal depression. <laughs> He's got noise-canceling headbuds in, which explains why he didn't react when everybody was screaming. And right. Shit. And so he's, he's so... It's just such a, like, very uh, modern thing. Yeah, like but a, then they... A light mask and noise-canceling head headphones or whatever they they proceed to like encircle him and then like threaten him with all they the knives him. and stuff that they have but they've been fucking with him all night so he's he, like he thinks he's, it's a bit he thinks it's a joke and he kind of starts like threatening them back he's like yeah. oh i'm a big old monster i'm yeah. gonna get you and, like chases them but they're freaked out like yeah. they think he's serious and that's like tension you're like oh my god they're gonna stab him on accident yeah like, that's the dramatic irony of it, it. Mm-hmm. um except like it kind of goes sour he kind of is like all right i'm done joking like i'm done fucking around mm-hmm. Um, because finally, then they try to jump on him and he's obviously much bigger and like he just immediately ripped. throws everybody off yeah. yeah like every time they try and get him like he easily deflects a knife yeah and grabs it and then like pushes someone away yeah and even then they all kind of like oh shit this guy could take us yeah um and he's he's like focused on the girls um they're like okay everybody put their knives down and he's like kind of threatening you're kind of like not sure at this point you just don't know you're like mm-hmm. maybe he did maybe he didn't Bam! Out of nowhere. Gets him socked in the head with a kettlebell. With a kettlebell. Uh, death and by kettlebell. Not just that, but he kind of gets back up. Uh, yeah, they double tap him. Like, he, yeah, it, it comes like from B. Like, bloodied in the back of the head, like yeah. skull kind of caved in. And he still kind of like tries to get up. And they're freaking out. And <laughs> B clocks him again with the kettlebell. Jesus Christ. Knocks the shit out of him. He's definitely dead. Yeah. And that's when we, we get some of the best. Some of the best jokes for me were right after <laughs> his deaths. Which we, we shouldn't give all of them away. Like, you should watch this movie. Yeah. But there's a there's like tons of great bits about his quote status as a veteran. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like and then they reveal that he was a veterinarian. Yeah, they're like <laughs> you said oh yeah, she's like he was the most obvious. She's like how well, why would you say that? She's like, "Well, you know, he was he served, he was in the military." And she's like, "What? How did you know that?" She's like, "Didn't you say he was from Afghanistan?" He was a vet. She's like, "Did you say he was a vet?" And she goes, "Veterinarian assistant." <laughs> And immediately they're all like, oh my god, did we kill the wrong guy? Yeah. Um, and then they start trying to kind of rationalizing it for themselves. Yeah. Uh, everybody's taking more and more pills and everything. Uh, and yeah. then that kind of unravels into uh, the next couple of, of deaths or kills, which deepen the mystery. Right. So now the girls are like, they're coked out. They're mm-hmm. taking Xanax. They're drunk. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're hyped on adrenaline. Like, there's just no way your body functions well. Yeah. And we start getting some of the more uh, dramatic interactions between the main characters, right. between like Sophie and Emma. Uh, and then B is being sort of like ostracized from the group already because she's the other outsider. Mm-hmm. There even is in the movie too. It kind of feels like because then you start she killed Lee Pace, mm-hmm. and she's kind of being aloof throughout mm-hmm. the movie, and you think it's because she's nervous. But, but she also think, ate that whole weed cake. Like, yeah, earlier. And she's just really high. Yeah, yeah. she's like a full slice into a chocolate cake before they're like, they're like, oh, hey, by the way, there's weed, weed in there. <laughs> um, so you think she might be the killer? The yeah. movie has a does a great job of shifting your. Uh, like your allegiance you're like oh oh it could be be. Mm -hmm. i could see that it keeps the the playing field level where you're like any one of these characters is now plausible yeah Um, 
Um, and it could like these accidents could not be accidents mm-hmm. in some ways. But I think this is the part of the movie that we talked about uh, earlier where it does. There, there's a, there's some moments here in the like, like we said, in the third act where uh, they start diving much deeper into sort of the backstories, all the stuff that kind of is happening off screen that is set the setup for the movie. Yeah. Um, namely, like Sophie's rehab stint and sort of the other intrapersonal relationships between them where yeah. they're kind of. We're like, uh, what's your fi- uh, Alice has a podcast that everyone yeah. says they love. <laughs> It <laughs> a little too close to home. I know. She makes we a podcast it. joke, and I almost looked at you. I was like, um. Because she starts defending the podcast. She's like, podcasting takes a lot of work, actually. And <laughs> <laughs> I was just like sitting there trying to contain my laughter. Like, uh, you feel called out? Do you feel called uh, out, I Travis? Feel seen. Uh, it was to uh, use the common parlance. Yeah, uh, it was a it was a funny moment. But that those th- that scene is the one where it does kind of. Um, it goes on maybe in my for a little longer, right? Than and you get the, like to. you learn that um, like all the interpersonal dynamics, like Emma's dating Pete, David's or David, who's mm-hmm. best friends with Sophie, who's kind of a dick to everyone else. So Sophie's yeah. the only one that really likes him. Mm-hmm. Like actually, the rest kind of tolerate him. Mm-hmm. Um, Alice has a podcast. Everyone's kind of like lying about. <laughs> it's like very obvious yeah. for the very beginning. They're, they're like, all kind of oh, like speaking we love their your podcast. Yeah, they're all kind of speaking their truths to each other and speaking like just using truths, uh, yeah. using this to like. Oh, but mo- like and and um, uh, who is it who used to date Sophie? It's kind of clear. Jordan and Sophie have like a thing. Yeah, kind some of, romantic used history. Because Jordan's real like scared of like threatening to be a yeah lot. so she's got this like weird dynamic and emma is like the most aloof she's just like a space cadet mm-hmm. it's just like la 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 everything's fine. she's an actor yeah, yeah and she's she's trying to make it as an actor yeah which they constantly bring up yeah. like, she's lying yeah. she's not crying she's for an real. actor she's a fucking actor <laughs> and pete davidson in a one in fate like in the whole scene just like tears her apart yeah like, oh my god he kind of i think he's lays a out, horrible abusive boyfriend yeah he i think he lays out maybe like what the thesis for the movie is where right. it's like the idea it's like you don't have an original thought you're just repeating stuff that you heard on that the internet heard, or something yeah that any any idiot can find on the internet yeah cool. thank god you have a twitter account like, yeah. he's saying this facetiously and he's saying it to his own girlfriend. Yeah, in a really like, <laughs> that was a really rough like interaction yeah. too. And and he does that classic. The thing I like about some of this too is they the way they frame these conflicts is so natural. Mm-hmm. Um, like he'll do that thing like when he's fucking with Lee Pace, and Lee Pace says something like, "Oh, the best defense is a good offense," and then he just gets <laughs> and I'm like, "What, what does, does that, that mean? mean?" And keeps bugging him, and Lee Pace doesn't get it. Lee's like, uh, "The best defense is a good offense." I don't know. And just keeps doing it. Finally, he pisses Lee off and Lee leaves. And Pete Davidson does this bit that, like, I think is very natural to fighting is, like, I'm not wrong. Come on, guys. Like, am I not? I'm, technically, I'm not wrong. Right, guys? <laughs> like, he pitches it to the group. Like, he's dominating. You're not wrong. Them. You're just an asshole. Exactly. <laughs> and so there's a lot of a lot of those moments where they are. Those conflicts feel the conflict between people feel very mm-hmm. real. You're like, that's how a fight between people would play. Yeah, out. and I think that does, like we said earlier, speaks to the effectiveness of the performances by each of these. Like you yeah. said, the chemistry, the on-screen chemistry of of all of these characters is is very very pal. Like it's believable and it it holds right. up throughout the movie. Yeah. Um. None of it ever feels like like I said earlier, like contrived or or forced in a way. They all do behave and like react to each other in a way that's. Yeah, it, it's a yeah, and it's a good like characters rebound off each other that mm-hmm. drives the story mm-hmm. instead of like and it that's what we were saying is like it could feel like oh murder talk about it murder talk about it mm-hmm. but it is this and it makes it tolerable for this movie because um, at least for me is that like they're talking about it part drives the next part the mm-hmm. murder so like everything lays out logically. Mm-hmm. Um, even like emotional logic, you start to like yeah. characters unwind and they become more dangerous mm-hmm. and that's where like, you know, deaths will happen and it gets more, more and more unhinged as it goes along. Sunday scares. Uh, vice versa when, so Maria Bakalova is, as B is kind of presented, like you said, as our, as our protagonist and yeah. basically functions as like the final girl, yeah. right? Uh, she's the one who's kind of trying to unravel the mystery a little bit more. At one point when she gets kicked out of the house, she goes out to the car. Um, I think that's where she finds like the underwear in the backseat or something too. And yeah. starts to suspect that Sophie was lying to Which her is, too. It's the bottom of uh, a bathing suit. Yeah. And she finds the, or the, of underwear and she has seen the top yeah. in someone else's bag. Yeah. So she knows that Sophie, her girlfriend, 
has the bottom half of somebody else's underwear. Yeah. Um, but she makes it back into the house and is seen uh, Jordan with a gun and stuff and is trying to yeah, like, yeah. you know, uh, and things escalate from there. The uh, So throughout all of this too, I think we kind of touched on it earlier. You have like visually, uh, I think is one other place where we talked about uh, yeah. the budget kind of shows through. Um, I think, I don't know. I, 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 I could go either way on this. Up. Yeah, because there's also some really, really great visual sequences. Like, I've thought about this a lot more since last night. Yeah. I've come, I made my peace with it. Yeah, because even like I was thinking about that opening sequence again. And, you know, the movie yeah. starts off and everybody's in the pool, like hanging out before the hurricane starts. Yeah. And it's this very, uh, I put in my, yeah, this like almost like natal, like as if they're yeah. you know, not born yet. They're all, we're, it's weird because at the beginning I was like, why are they all underwater yeah. like this? And then and we find like, out. And the couples are like holding each other. It's and like, like looking cute. at each other. Yeah. And like yeah. looking up through the water. And I'm like, I don't think that's how the pool works. But they were like having a breath holding contest or something. <laughs> but there's just something really like. <laughs> Who was it? And then someone burst out of the water last. Lee is like, like, I told, I you, told you guys you I, I had that. huge lungs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> As he takes a hit of a bong or something. But that whole visual sequence is like really like satisfying. And I think that there are other, like, like we talked about earlier with that first kill when Pete Davidson yeah. uh, dies. They had great um, framing with the with the room where mm-hmm. he comes up behind her, yeah, um, and and like pops into the the window behind her essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. Because and this set feels very big, like the way yeah. they treat it with all. We talked about how so the rest of the movie is lit, you know, with phone cameras essentially, like tiny flashlights. Yeah, because which, the power's out, they mm-hmm. all use their phones mm-hmm. and, and their phones flashlights, and then like some headlamps and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like a good seventy, maybe sixty percent of the movie is just phone phone yeah. flashlights it's a very dark movie quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the camera is um, like very handheld the entire time so you're watching it and like the camera might just start running with the character who's running or mm-hmm. like whipping around um, when there's a wrestling or, or a fight or something mm-hmm. so it, and I, I think it yeah. works for the most part except for there's there's a couple of those like fight sequences where it does feel a little bit it's chaotic it is and they do a really I don't know there, there's a really artful use of like you know depth of field where our characters in the foreground are the only thing in focus and so right. it's very yep. difficult for you to focus on anything yeah all their wide shots they like mm-hmm. refuse to focus on the 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 wide picture you Mm -hmm. just you can only really focus on the actual character i made a note of this when she walks into one of the rooms is it it follows her for a couple seconds but the focus never racks to like the the walls of the bookshelves Mm -hmm. and all the stuff that are the detail around her it's just her silhouette and Mm -hmm. we're like forced to watch her walk into this room Mm mm-hmm and I think that does a good job of, like I said, making the the whole the set, this house, feel really, really big. Yeah. Because they do hit a lot of the same spots, like, multiple times, but it's from various and, like, contrasting angles. And yeah. because of that focus, like, device, it, it, doesn't, it never feels like they're treading the same ground, like, too often. Um, I've come around, basically, so, like, that's the reason we say the budget is, like, it, may, it might show the budget is because uh, it's cheaper and faster if you don't have to right. set up a ton of lights. And so when you have like practical lights that are easy to kind of whip around and like you can just aim them at things like Mm -hmm. flashlights are a great thing because you can fake a flashlight. All you have to do is point it at whatever subject you want to see Mm -hmm. and it saves you time setting up like, you know, background lights or little halos or all these like really elaborate stuff you might catch on a more like thoroughly produced is how i would describe it film Mm -hmm. um and so that kind of saves time and time is money on film sets yeah so that plus you know the camera being on handheld you don't have to worry about elaborate rigs um trying to like use a crane or anything like that you're just like one guy uh and a focus puller like running around trying to grab the action um but i think my theory and this is important is that um Lots of first-time directors do this when they don't have time. I mentioned this to you last right. night. Is like it's a great way to get through a scene really fast. You're like, oh shit, we have to do like a six-page dialogue scene, and we all we have like two hours. How do we do this? And you're like, fuck it, just put grab the camera, the get the sound team ready. We'll just roll, get like I don't know six takes of each person, and just kind of put it together in post. Um, and it's a great way to cut the budget. But this feels like because it's so thorough. It feels intentional. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, like directors that do it more intentionally, there's much more um, like practice to it. Yeah. And so I think that every move this camera team made was intentional. It's yeah. Like, and that's something we kind of also talked about yesterday, too, was, you know, specifically with movies within. We talked about this with other movies with, yeah. within the horror genre and then also yeah, with yeah. the subgenre is like it has become, you know, it's it's sort of like a chicken and the egg thing where it started, you know, it's, it, it's very 
hospitable towards like lower budget filmmaking and right. so it becomes like a genre element but then it's always sort of this battle of like all right was this done as a as a stylistic choice or is or it done it just as like a, a time saver yeah right and which is always a bummer i've worked on i say all this because i have personally worked on sets mm-hmm. that did both where it's right. like we don't have time how do we do this and they it's funny because as a boom operator a person who holds the little boom like the microphone um, those moments where they're like, oh, we have a 10 page dialogue saying we'll have two hours are some of the most exhausting because they're like, let's do 10 pages, uh, six takes per shot, six shots. So it's like, let's do 10 pages 36 times. And you just have to hold that damn pole You're just standing there the for, entire time. Yeah, which is essentially <laughs> two hours straight with your arms over your head. So anyone's ever had to hold like even like a mild box over their head for longer than 10 minutes, it's Fucking miserable. <laughs> I did one scene. I'll I'll tell you after the what the movie was after Travis. But I did one scene, and I remember um, they they we had that problem. They were like, we have to get through eleven pages of like just this back just filler, and it was miserable. They were like, <laughs> we're gonna film every actor, so we get all their lines and singles, and we'll just cut it together later. Um, but the the mixer uh, the, at the time we just didn't have enough. We had, they had like ten actors. We just didn't have enough microphones to cover it. So they're like, we're gonna do it on boom. We're going to do every single take. And I got out of that. It was like two, maybe three hours. And I just, I was sweat through all my clothes. And the producer kind of pulled me aside after and was like, hey, we're going to, we're going to give the sound team like a little break here. And I like took it. I walked over to my little corner and I fell on the ground (laughs) and I just laid there. So it was like those, even if they are time savers, they are energy killers. Yeah. Somebody's, somebody's paying for it. Exactly. So it's never perfect, but it does overall for production. You are saving time. Yeah. Um, But I I say that because like this movie, it feels intentional. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in like the messy uh, fight scenes where we want it to feel chaotic. Yeah. And I think like, like we said, pacing wise, it it evolves in such a way that uh, by the end of the movie, you you know, we come out and, and as the daylight breaks, right? Because yeah. everything has happened at night and then the rain has gone gone away yeah. and we're in the kind of the calm, literal calm after the storm. Yeah. Um, our, our final girl, B, is sort of like, they're, they, her and Sophie have kind of gotten into their whole personal uh, interaction right. that has split them apart to where we're, we kind of think at the very end of this movie, like, oh, is was, was Sophie the murderer all along? Right. Because it's a combination of their interpersonal drama, their relationship drama, combined with, like, okay, now yeah. I'm suspecting everyone else is gone, is gone now. You don't know who the... Like, you really are... On, you don't know who the killer is until you find out the very, very At end. the very, very, very last moment. Yeah, they, they're scuffling by the pool trying to figure out like B is kind of convinced because of the interaction they had with Jordan that you know Sophie was lying to her so she's trying to wrestle her phone away from her she like thinks that Jordan Mm -hmm. um, has lied to her Sophie has lied to her um, but she doesn't know about like if Sophie could lie to her about something else maybe mm-hmm. Sophie was lying about not murdering these people right it's this like the the Lord of the Flies element of it is the the escalation of you know m- sort of somewhat mundane like just personal dramas up to like life-threatening right you know violent interactions and that's the that's the way that the movie gets into it's like you know, it's slasher elements is like escalating all of these things which are sort of banal and then making them life or death when people are holding bu- weapons and stuff right it just ha- it also just is funny to us also because they're these these teenage girls so they're like ugh you didn't you didn't follow my you didn't listen to my one episode of my podcast <laughs> it's like they get shot or something yeah. and you're like oh my god did you just shoot <laughs> yeah did you just shoot me it's like stop making everything about yourself i've never been shot before it really it hurts. really hurts <laughs> oh but do you want to talk i mean the ending of this movie though like yeah it does i think it it brings it's, everything the absurdity of everything like full circle right. i think like it's thematically absurdo nihilism i think yeah and it's just great because they, they find a phone and and uh, we realize <laughs> sophie realizes that's not my phone they find out oh it was pete davidson's phone so b goes over to the dead body of pete davidson opens his eyeballs and uses his face to unlock the phone which is a great detail (laughs) because it has a like that face or whatever face recognition face recognition so she has to like hold his eyelids open to to get the phone open (laughs) but they unlock it and it's revealed that pete davidson was filming a tiktok of himself outside using this trying to do the same saber champagne (laughs) thing as earlier sword to open another (laughs) bottle of champagne waving there's a straight minute where i'm having like i can't even you're like, watching think this, about it you're watching this on a phone on yeah. the screen too so it's just like goofy as hell yeah and it, it's 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 drug out so long where he's just waving the saber around and then trying to like saber Slice the champagne the bottle off. and uh, then it doesn't work so he turns the, the knife tries inwards. to do it the other direction yeah towards himself <laughs> misses and the bottle like eight times you're watching him like cut and you're like waiting. how does he not know <laughs> And of course, you watch it finally happen. Yeah, he misses the bottle and gashes his own neck. Fucking with the whacks sword. himself in the throat. 
and you just watch this guy die by being an idiot. <laughs> Which kicks off the events of the entire movie. Yeah, so which, you're like, oh my god. So at the end of the day, there was no murder. It was just... They were just <laughs> shitty. Everybody being shitty to each other. Yeah, they were pe- so petty, they killed each other. Yeah, it's the escalation of pettiness to a murderous level. Which is which is the nihilism behind it. Is there, yeah. there was no reason. There was no like evil force. There mm-hmm. was just... Uh, like shitty friends. Yeah. Like shitty friends. And shitty a lot friendships of drugs. Was, yeah, and drugs yeah. were the killers. Yeah. Um, don't I don't do know. drugs, kids. <laughs> yeah, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs with Pete Davidson. <laughs> or do. I don't know. I'm sure that'd be really fun. That's uh, why I say if you hate Pete Davidson, you'll love this movie. Yeah, I think it utilizes... That's what at the very, my first comment as the movie ended is an excellent use of Pete Davidson. Yeah, you kind of know, too. <laughs> when you watch this movie, you're like, oh, this is a bit role for Davidson. You're yeah. like, they let him ad-lib some stuff, you think. Like, mm-hmm. He's making jokes. He's having fun. You're like, this dude's totally gonna die first <laughs> like it's so obvious he's such a dick like they have to kill him first or mm-hmm. else it would be like a waste of pete davidson's character but i think it's great i don't know i left uh, i think an ending like that like you said with the nihilism of it could could leave us feeling like cheated or annoyed right uh, but the way that this movie presents those central themes i think it, it's just such an effective payoff that like the the two final girls that are left at the end realize the absurdity of the entire situation and the the weight of everything comes yeah. crashing down. Max finally shows up. He says, "What the fuck happened?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Max walks in and yeah. just sees like a hurricane destroyed house and his brother yeah. with like his throat slit. And these girls covered in blood. The house and, is destroyed. Yeah, and he's just like, "What did I miss?" Yeah. Um. But just it, I think that's where like a lot of critics too point at like satire is like yeah the satire is uh like if you locked all these like Gen Z girls in a room in a house, they would all kill each other Mm -hmm. because like they wouldn't like, uh, yeah, if they're not on their phones, they would like kill each other or something. There's like something about like the falseness of their digital relationship Mm -hmm. is laid bare. And they realize that their act, their physical friendship is like, tenuous at best yeah which is a very like that was the whole it thing becomes like grounds for murder in a hyper situation like this right and that's the historical misunderstanding of like lord of the flies right where people think it's like a commentary on uh like culture at large like if you lock if you put anybody in an isolated situation they'll devolve right. into murdering each other yeah when yeah, actually yeah. even like the author is like no this is a commentary on if you put a bunch of posh like rich boarding school boys in a situation like right this, they'll go they'll murder each other because which is that's funny because it's like eat the rich but like the rich eat themselves yeah it's if you were to like if you were to take away their privilege or take away their their wealth as an aspect right. they would just eat each other alive they lacked the strength of or yeah the, the commentary is that uh the these people are devoid of the true inter- interpersonal like the the goodness in mankind yeah. what we're trying to flesh out is is the you know the the hypocrisy or sort of like which is which i guess makes it doubly hilarious that they yeah. keep using like they're all like oh i'm an ally mm-hmm. and i care about all this because they're presenting an even falser veneer of i care about not just like my friends but like broad societal change right even though it's kind of played like they're too young to understand what some of this stuff is yeah i love this scene there's a great scene where um she like talks about her mother and she's like oh my mother has she calls it a uh, borderline oh yeah which is borderline personality i disorder. assume that's what they were saying yeah. right but it's like everyone knows what borderline is yeah that, that caught me off guard too <laughs> i was like huh alice right. ever the ever the like last word person she parrots everything she's like, she's like oh yeah that's I'm really so serious sorry. mental health is real serious and she's like i have to confess to everyone and they're all like dealing with people have been murdered and she's yeah like, i have to confess to everyone that i um i have body dysmorphia and literally <laughs> someone just goes shut the fuck up alice because that is it's constantly the idea of like centering like trying to center the conversation back on like these on people yourself on themselves through yeah. the lens of like oh but i have trauma making this an competitive trauma yeah almost. Uh, the thing with Jordan where it's like Jordan your parents are upper, upper middle class upper and she's... middle <laughs> class at best and she gets so mad she says they're professors and she's she's like at a university and it's like she's it's public yeah yeah so they all have these narratives about themselves that yeah. they, they tear each other apart and yeah. because of that they then kill each other it's uh, I don't know I, I, I'm, I keep I feel like I'm, I'm more and more satisfied by this movie like as I'm talking about it but... I you know I've come to a much I feel better about it yeah last night I walked away from the theater like i feel like they were punching down at like woke liberalism but i I realized that it's supposed to be within the context of wealth we just don't see them be rich aside from the house yeah and like we said the unfortunate thing about that is maybe that's a little bit too nuanced of a thing for 
like for that's a gonna horror be, movie for sure yeah for this kind of a horror movie it might get buried yeah and it's like i said there's gonna be always gonna be those bad faith critics right. who were like you know I, like that letterbox review you sent me where it's like oh i'm so glad that somebody finally made a movie where you know criticizing the you know woke, the woke culture left, and shit it's like woke ah, leftist culture and how they all eat each other alive yeah um, like ah, it's just a it's a reductive <laughs> counter argument which mm-hmm. is like oh they're just as shitty as the other people yeah i'm like there's more to all of this than you yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. There's I think, different dynamics. Yeah, I think I, I think keep the, going back to this argument because it still plays out in my mind. Yeah, I'll talk I, to Mary Kate about it. Yeah, I think I think the the way that I think of it is is what what were the writers and the directors trying right. to say? What is the movie trying to, to to tell us? Right. And I think that from that perspective, I think I don't think it is. Uh, I I think it's it's nuanced enough and it's it's interesting enough uh, and handles those topics well. But I think maybe it could be perceived as a little too sub, like subtle or nuanced. And, yeah. And, and I just don't want way. it to go the way of the hunt where everybody's like. Aha, right. this is so fun. Watch liberals kill each other. Right. Or like, oh, this is so fun. Watch mm-hmm. watch liberals kill conservatives. Like, I don't care. Like, the political bent isn't the mm-hmm. point. But in the hunt, it was. Mm-hmm. And I don't want people to t- mistake the force for the trees. Yeah, this is definitely less is of just a political like, commentary. It's more yeah. of a social commentary. It's a lot about, like, like a, teenagers. Uh, yeah, and, and I think the, the theme, like you said earlier, is like is about social media and about like a relationship with like the internet and stuff and right. how that has manifested a, a culture into of itself that is... Right, you know, used as a as a as a as which a shield is so for... funny that uh, William Goldman, right, the author of uh, Lord of the Flies, mm-hmm. um, kind of hit the nail on the head the first time yeah. he got it. We were like, yeah, I mean, you could do this, but like you could change the setting, the location, the people, yeah. but it would always be kind of true. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, by him, like, right, like that posh. If you were to take these wealthy kids and take and the, take their wealth their, away from yeah. them and then put them on an island they just eat each other yeah <laughs> like no question they would turn into the most vicious forms yeah. of people because we get you know there's and there's other examples in literature and in, in film and art of of the counter example right where right. it's the idea of people like i mean any dystopian you know novel or, or story where right. people are, are coming together and, and supporting each other in in the face of world annihilating circumstances right um which so it, we it, we it, are on such an eat the rich kind of kick yeah like as, a, as a sub as a micro genre is like such a new concept for yeah. film and television in the last like 15 20 years yeah i think it's definitely i think uh i can't remember who, who talked about this but it's always like you know I think it was even like del toro or somebody talking about like when when things are bad in society like sometimes you turn towards like that's when 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 horror or when like dark topics get popular again because right. it's like it's, a, it's start, escapism in a weird way or we start um, to like want to probe like what does this really mean yeah and do it in a way that like is violent and scary yeah but also safe for us as an audience and hey arguably that's kind of that was honestly like kind of one of the, the thesis for this podcast is like the idea of like sunday scaries is like hey sunday mornings instead of being worried about the work week we're gonna yeah, watch horror movies with and us. take the edge off a little bit by like you know watch something that'll really fuck your brain up yeah so you'll never be worried about work tomorrow <laughs> you'll like, be thinking about I, you know, I have work tomorrow, but at least I'm not getting like my head knocked off by a telephone pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, my gosh. So, which you know, the I think the good thing about this movie too is the character, their relationships are relatable. Yeah. Um, I wrote down that like all these girls, these they all play archetypes of friends. Mm-hmm. They're not like stereotypes of different teenagers. We've seen that before. We've seen yeah. like the Breakfast Club classics. Right, you got the edgy one. And, right, like, they, they do that to is... a certain degree, but it's more about the relationships. And they're more complex than yeah. those stereotypes. But the the friendship, the role they play is is kind of a stereotype. Like yeah. there's always uh, like the motor mouth, the loud mouth, mm-hmm. who just like has to dominates talk. everybody. Yeah, and be present. And you get really tired of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like the space cadet who is just like coasting on their looks mm-hmm. and kind of like not always present and always like <laughs> i'm like why do you always think everybody's in love with you <laughs> it's because they are <laughs> um or like uh like the practical one who's just like a little too forceful who's right like guys like when you're making decisions for dinner they're the ones that are like okay we gotta fucking go somewhere because you're all gonna be useless in five yeah. minutes so we don't make a decision yeah that is maybe all the one of the only like writing elements that stuck out to me when especially in that yeah. long dialogue scene with where they're trying to sort of reduce each character to their central flaw right and it's like well kind of the thing is that these are these characters are product of a, of a lot like like real people are right. products of a lot of different you know things or whatever so and i don't know if uh yeah like whenever they're talking to jordan they're like oh your one thing is that you're you know you're anal like you're, you're yeah retentive you're or super whatever. anal you would schedule sex on a google calendar yeah and like that's like the biggest like that's your your damning yeah. you know, characteristic or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like these relationships, right? Like everybody has that one friend who always plays the victim. They like yeah. show up to grab drinks with you and they're like, oh, my boss said the meanest thing to me today. They yeah. told me to do my job. And you're like, <laughs> you should probably do your job. 
But years of doing that, you get really tired of it. Yeah. You're like, ugh, she's going to come. Oh, my boyfriend broke up with me. You're like, well, you did cheat on him. So (laughs) that's probably – but you can't tell someone, like, it's not okay to cheat on your boyfriend. Like, this is just an example. It's just not okay. Like, you can't call them out because they're always going to do that. It's kind of gaslighting. They'll Mm -hmm. always be like, oh, why are you attacking me? (laughs) Why are you gaslighting? Yeah. um, You always – like, you always have that friend that just talks and talks and talks. And you're like, man, I hate – when they call because i cannot it can never be a short phone call mm-hmm. um they're but they're fun in large groups because you can kind of bounce them off each other yeah um so maybe it, the message is is be more honest with your friends guys like <laughs> yeah or, i think I don't about know. <laughs> i do think about this a lot as a as a person who's very i'm a very loyal friend i go back and like go see friends i haven't seen in years like i would go back and i reconnected with someone from my old high school just to like just because um but i think about like how even families do this, right? Like they'll still solidify their role or their relationship. So there's always like every friend group, they'll have like the person who's like, Oh, you're the friend that always, that's like in goofy ways too. Like, Oh, you're the person that's always into cars. Mm-hmm. And so like, then it becomes a thing. They buy you car stuff and you're like, well, it was just kind of a fad. I'm not really into <laughs> cars anymore, but years and years and years and years of that, you know, um, or like when your high school friends keep telling the same stories over and over again yeah. and you're like, guys, we need new stories. <laughs> like I was there, I lived this and you're like you, yeah, my, my fiance or my wife, my spouse, whoever, my partner, um, probably loved hearing this story the first time, but every fucking time we get together, you tell the same story about how I pissed off a, like a teacher. This and is the, uh, the so big fish conflict. Boring. Uh, yeah. With, uh, yeah. Uh, the beginning of, wait, Oh my God. Why am I forgetting the main character of, uh, Ewan McGregor, not Ewan McGregor, but who's, who plays oh. the old version of him. But, right. But yeah, you're, yeah. The, the big fish issue. But that's the thing is when you start to, I'm fascinated by how relationships, like when you just start to relive the same history, it like stilts and like cracks your relationship with someone because that relationship is defined by what has happened. Mm-hmm. And obviously your interpretation of it just keeps growing or like changing. So like suddenly you're less like you're more of an asshole. Yeah. And the version of the story told 10 years later. Yeah. Like, guys, I'm tired of being the asshole of this story. And I think if that were because that topic is present in the movie. But I think if it were placed maybe more at the front, that was that those scenes that we talk about kind of dragging a little bit. They go for a more subtle approach. Yeah. When we first meet everyone, there's like all these hints that. Yeah. They they address little mean girl moments. Yeah. They address that that in kind of like in a more in a very somewhat shallow way right um and i like i said i think if that were placed more of the forefront those there would be a little bit more of a payoff of like the dramatic tension between them like we would know more mm-hmm. about their relationships with each other yeah in a but way it's hard to do not that just like they're just petty yeah but in i think this movie does a good job of staying of getting out when it does it's a tight yeah. 95 minutes yeah you know, the credits roll yeah, yeah. like the 90 minute mark and stuff and i think if it were to stay longer than that it, it would become arduous yeah um like many of these movies do like like a great example of what we're talking about in the very early in the show right the podcast is a great example is like when when sophie shows up and she's like greeting everyone they're all kind of awkward they're like oh we didn't know she was going to be here mm-hmm. and she turns to alice and she's like oh i love your podcast it's a great podcast <laughs> yeah. and jordan um is like whatever like kind of rolls her eyes but yeah alice doesn't see it and then later on they like because they're tearing each other apart sophie's like Jordan, you fucking hate Alice's podcast. She's like, I listen to every episode. She's like, you hate listen to all of her episodes. And then she like rolls her eye. Alice is like, did you just groan? Yeah. I love when um, fucking B is like, what is this? She's with her axes. What is this podcast about? She's She's actually genuinely trying to be nice. Like your smartest and funniest friend. It's like obviously about herself. She literally just made a podcast about herself. Yeah. Um, so there's so there's this setup and payoff, but the setup for us was like a, a, a eye roll, right? And we're kind of like, are they like, the, is it the podcast or is it just her? Mm-hmm. We don't know enough to know why, like this little detail mm-hmm. that maybe if we got fed a little bit more, it would feel more real and more honest. We're kind of like getting info dumped. Yeah, but I think what end. yeah, I guess and maybe what they're relying on is because it is good like the idea is, right. is when you immediately upon seeing this cast of characters you're kind of like oh I know exactly who each one of these people are yeah. and that's sort of the way like them wearing their personalities and demonstrating their relationships on their sleeve and faces um, and I, just I think that's what they were going for yeah they can't not be who they are they're, they're have... like the, at the breaking point where they just can't pretend anymore that yeah. they're like okay with whatever this other friend of theirs is doing yeah 
Um, but I think it makes a I think it makes a good movie. I was like I said, I I'm excited for I people to see this. Yeah, I would definitely recommend this. Um, it goes pretty hard. That like all the kills get a little bloody. Yeah, and, like kind of fucked up. There's some gore in there. Yeah, and it's, it's it's fun and yeah. it's a it's a fun time. Lots of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> um, no sex. There's no sex. Surprisingly, in little. Se- yeah, there's like there, a little. Hints. There's some sexuality, there's, but yeah, like, sexuality, yeah. but no uh, like overt sex scenes, which I think probably yeah. is it in its favor. Yeah, I don't it think just, it would be served by yeah. you know including anything like also, that in there. No, I don't want to see Pete Davidson do that. <laughs> Lee Pace. I could I could do with more of Lee Pace, but he was he was criminally underutilized. Or he was perfectly utilized. <laughs> it's kind of great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, go see Bodies, 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 guys. Uh, we had a fun time watching it, and I think we would definitely recommend this to, I would recommend. to, to people. I would recommend to um, – this is like a fun observation. We met one of my friends right after. Oh, yeah. And they brought their daughter – um, who is like 15 or 16 and so it was kind of cool because i was like curious. we got an immediate like insight yeah into... what is a teenager <laughs> like this is so we're we're like late 20s dudes we're like we love our our taste is our taste at this point yeah but i love like talking to young people because they like nothing's quite figured out i'm like mm-hmm. oh what is what's cool to you what are you interested in and she was saying too like I was really surprised that A24 is as popular as it is, apparently, among... I don't know. That kid's like a film school kid, though. Maybe, but Uh, I also... She might be the exception. I don't know, though. I do think that, like, Gen Gen Z is kind of talking about, um, like, streaming stuff and, uh, like, art. And, like, I think it can... The topics can boil down to, like, what's on streaming. Yeah. What's on... uh, What's Marvel. Whatever their latest bit is. And whatever Mm -hmm. A24 is. Because A24 is kind of the polar opposite. Yeah, it's become a... uh, Yeah, the the counter, like, like the foil for... If you hate Marvel, you want it... Like, it's... The joke is if you hate Marvel, you love A24. If you hate A24, you love Marvel. Yeah. Which I'm like... Guys, we have to have more nuanced conversations than this. You can <laughs> or just, you just like be, things. Yeah, you can just be like us, where I just like everything that's ever made. You, so. <laughs> you don't have to hate anything. Yeah, you're not required to. Yeah. Uh, but her expression was like she really, really liked it. Um, you know, she she kind of said she was like, "Well, it's an A24 horror film. I gotta go see this." Yeah. Um, and she had seen X too, so I was like, "Man, I, I'm impressed. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd let a, a 15 year old yeah. watch all these movies, especially <laughs> X with the old people sex yeah. scene. There's some stuff in there that could be." I don't but know, I, jarring. I, far be it for me to judge how no, anyone raises yeah, a child. Um, but I do think that it's it's just interesting because this is a movie about twenty two year olds and mm-hmm. a fifteen year old watched it and really really like got it. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're you know just on that like granular level. Mm-hmm. Like I asked like oh like do you and your friends do TikToks and like do you feel like this was kind of how your world is? And she's kind of like very gave gave a very tacit agreement. I'm yeah. not gonna like hinge my entire argument on her, but I would say that like. She did kind of acknowledge, like, yeah, this is this is kind of what it's like. This is like the way they use phones, the way that you know these these conversations, the words they say, yeah. the the little habits. Obviously, her friends aren't just like avid drug users. Yeah, I think that's the funny thing is I think with movies like this, it's obviously at risk of. Uh... <laughs> Like, like when an elder millennial writing a movie about Gen Zers, right? Yeah. It's always going to feel a little bit, like, that's above the, the... That's the nerve know. I'm really scared of. Is, yeah. is this just an older person writing younger like people? Like, what they think. Younger... Like, when a man writes women and yeah, it's clear. You yeah. You're like, ah, oh, if only I'd worn a more supportive bra or something. You're like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, a man wrote this, didn't he? Like, just pointless dialogue. You're like, that. you didn't need that. Like, yeah. You should have had an editor or something. Um. But I will say too, I, I mentioned this last night. A twenty four has kind of been their generation. Like they grew up. That's with true. A24. Yeah, they kind of came into like popularity and there in the last. Are approachable A twenty four movies that aren't just like hereditary. Yeah, like, I think like you know everything everywhere all at once is, yeah. is a great example. Marcel of one. with shoes yeah. on is one of two G mm-hmm. PG movies that uh, they've released. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do. They've done a great job with like their marketing campaigns, mm-hmm. and they're always kind of a talking point. Yeah. Between that, like winning Moon, Moonlight, the whole like, event with Moonlight winning Best Picture, like A24 couldn't have planned a better marketing gimmick. It's like, now everybody needs to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always gripe that nobody looks at their deep cuts. That everyone just kind of goes with the buzzy ones. Right. Because I'm like, if you really love A24, go watch like some of their other things um, and tell me what you really think. Because they do make some stuff and they bury some stuff. Mm-hmm. But their generation probably, you know, grew up with um, all kinds of all kinds of their movies um especially the big buzzy ones mm-hmm. like how could a generation who grew up on instagram and tiktok not watch like hereditary or oh Big yeah Summer, where the visuals are so strong yeah and so marketable um the only thing holding them back would be their parents and at this point yeah. streaming makes it really easy to watch yeah, whatever they're, you they're want. gonna find these movies like, like our our way of watching r-rated movies was like i snuck them out of blockbuster i didn't steal them i like 
rented them and blockbuster didn't care but i didn't tell my parents right um it's just an interesting it's a different uh economy yeah how people do i am really interested like yeah like you said to see how how that generation of of moviegoers and movie fans yeah what are they gonna be like consuming these yeah and like what and what will that yield in the stuff that they make right like right. whenever these like the right. kids that are like 16 17 right now that are huge fans of these a24 movies this next generation of like i don't yeah. know i think it'll be much more i think it goes more like postmodern, maybe yeah. like the commentary on like you know because even now there's like a joke about like you know only watching a24 movies or like right the it's t-shirt like, where it's, it's like it's become you know, a meme of yeah. a culture but uh, like so, th- it, this is important because bodies, bodies, bodies. We called it like Gen Z scream. Mm-hmm. Scream is like kind of the the OG like meta horror movie. Which after is, like the the slashers of the seventies and eighties, right, which like after Wes, Psycho, like, Wes Craven himself, <laughs> yeah. you know the the auteur of yeah. some of these like great horror movies was like, what if I made a horror movie about kids that watch horror movies? And now here we are. I don't know two two ish more decades later. Uh, with a movie that's kind of like, what if teenagers knew like all these things about horror movies and kind of like lived it, and like the, it, it wasn't even really a horror movie. It's mm-hmm. just shitty kids. Yeah, um, which made me think of it as much more of a Gen Z thing. It's mm-hmm. like there is the real horror was just like, I don't know, all the different cycles of trauma they inflict on each other. That's a very generous interpretation. Yeah. They also just murder the <laughs> shit out of each other. They They're just, just really stabby stabby. Yeah, I kind of love it. Um, uh, but I, it's just so fascinating because like they grew up with a twenty four. We, I don't, I don't remember. I grew up. I guess Cabin in the Woods was my meta horror. Movie. Yeah, that which was man, Cabin in the Woods is one of the best. It was the first it's horror like, movie I saw that convinced me to go see horror movies in theaters. Yeah, because you're like, I, I want to get like, all of these references. Yeah, and I started to realize like the experience of watching this in a theater is mm-hmm. fun. Like other people, horror movies, especially when you watch it with other people is a blast. Oh yeah. Like you just get a license to be scared in public and yeah. everyone kind of like metaphorically holds each other's hands. Yeah. And that's like why people walk out of those movies being like, Oh, it was like a blast. Everybody was screaming at the screen. Like we were all freaking out. My, yeah. Some of my personal favorite horror movie watching experiences were exactly that was like me and the audience being scared together. Yeah. It's a trauma bonding. Exactly, <laughs> which is this movie is the opposite. It's like yeah. trauma hating. Yeah, We're all just like like unburdening their trauma and stabbing each other. Yeah. Um. Uh, sorry, this was a very long tangent. Oh no, you're fine. It's just food for thought, listeners. Absolutely. Yeah. Like if I you said, have ideas, please let us know. Yeah, you can uh, email us at uh, scary sunday scaries at gmail dot com. Send us uh, recommendations for movies or things that you think we should talk I about. I will literally watch pretty much anything. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the way we do things here. Uh, there we have an Instagram at scary sunday scaries. Uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash scary sunday scaries. Uh, when you're hearing this, we're kind of getting psyched for. Uh, also, thank you to the people who uh, do the PR for Fantastic Fest and you, yes, uh, uh, let us in on this early press screening and stuff. Truly, a big big thank you because this is we we love being able to share this on the eve of the release. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, when people either watch this or aren't sure if they want to watch this, uh, might listen and get the information they need to make that decision. Yeah, not just because we like talking about horror movies, but because I want people to go see. But things. also because, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm at Trav the guy on Instagram. I'm at DG underscore Pappas. Uh, this is a bonus episode, so it'll be up on Patreon for a few weeks, and then we'll just release it to the wide public after that. Uh, but yeah. Uh, have a good time watching this movie and uh, have a good week guys go have, go go get some big old bucket of popcorn hey. kids <laughs>